Welcome to the NARPM Podcast, where we bring you the most in-depth look into the property management industry. We discuss hot topics with property managers, vendors, and those that support the property management industry. The National Association of Residential Property Managers is the recognized leader in property management. Our host is Pete Newbig, co-founder of Empire Industries Property Management and co-founder and CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. Now, here's your host, Pete Newbig. Welcome to the Norton Podcast, and thank you for joining us today. I'm going to get right into it today because we got my good buddy, Chris Picurio, or as I like to call him, Pick-A-Pick. Pick-A-Pick! Pick is a CPA who solely works with real estate investors and business owners. And Chris has presented numerous times throughout the years at NARPM, so he's a good friend of NARPM. In this episode, we're going to nerd out on different entities and how it affects your taxes. Chris is also going to go into all these different tax strategy plans, and he's rolling out this new product that is going to be incredibly cool. So before we get to Chris, let's talk about our hot topic. All right, our hot topic today. Let's talk about org structures, organizational structures. And, you know, as I talk to more and more people, I get a a sense that people don't really know how to structure their organization. Very few people don't have an org chart, not just what the org chart is today, but what it looks like, you know, five years from now, what it looks like when it's complete. In uh, in the book, Traction, Gina Wickman, I'm a big fan of, of Traction. A lot of the things that I do have to do with Traction. They actually talk, they call it an accountability chart. And they talk about like, you should have an accountability chart or an org chart when you are complete. And this was one of my biggest challenges when I was building Empire, my property management firm, and, you know, we were growing rapidly. Our structure was constantly changing and we didn't even know what, what we were doing and what was the right structure. So like early on when we had, you know, just a hundred or so doors, it was really more like portfolio based where Pete was the actual property manager doing everything. And then maybe he had somebody doing property accounting for him. But it was more of like a, 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 you know, it was more like a portfolio based. Now that breaks over time, right? There's only so many do- or so many properties you can manage before you, you cry uncle and you don't have any time. And if you are a property management firm and you run portfolio based, you know, you see this with your property managers. There's a lot of negatives to portfolio based. One is that, you know, they keep, they're the keeper of all the information. They're the keeper of the relationship. So if they ever want to go out on their own, they can basically quote unquote steal your clients or if they leave for whatever reason, maybe you get rid of them, or maybe they retire, all that information kind of goes with them, right? And so, but the good part is you have one person, and they manage all the doors, and they do everything. They do the leasing and all that stuff, right? They do the leasing, the maintenance calls, the turns, they walk the properties, they, they kind of do everything. And so financially, it, it makes sense as well, especially early on. Well, then after that, you have kind of like your hybrid, right? So uh, the PM is starting to cry uncle, um, so it's like, I don't really want to hire another property manager. So instead I'll hire them an assistant or I'll hire, you know, insert, you know, bookkeeper, leasing person, resident service person, whatever. Like I'm going to, I'm going to create another job role. That's kind of an assistant deal, but now it's cheaper than me hiring another property manager. And now I can take some of the, some of the challenges away from a property manager, right? So then hybrid is kind of the next thing. And then as you grow, that kind of breaks. 
And then people either go with more of a departmental or they can go with like a pod situation, right? So departmental is just like it says, I have, you know, somebody who's doing lease renewal, somebody who does, you know, applications, somebody who does property accounting, and you have different people doing the different parts of the life cycle of property management. The negative of this is obviously you need more people. Uh, the, the other negative is that you, things tend to fall off the, uh, off the side of the plate, so to speak. So if you don't have a good handoff, right, whether it's through automation or just traditional checklists, then things fall through the cracks, so to speak, and then things don't get done. Uh, people get upset. Also, one team member can mess something up, and it, it, do, it may not affect them. It may affect another team member down the road. Property accounting is, is usually the one that gets affected the most because the lease renewal person forgot to enter the lease renewal fee or they entered it two or three times, whatever it is. No one finds it until the, the owner client calls or the resident client calls, and it's all of a sudden it's an accounting issue, right, because the, the financials went out and the people are calling. And then you have kind of like this pod method where you have a team, they have the property manager, and then they have a maintenance coordinator, a resident service person, an owner services person, all right? So they have this team, and then they manage over so many properties. And then after you hit so many other, after you hit a threshold, then you need to create a new team. It's always tricky when you have to kind of spawn off one team and create and create another team. And when I was with Empire, we realized that what worked for 100 units didn't work for 300, and at 300, We'd break it, we broke again when we got to like 500, which then broke again when we got to like the 750, 800. And finally, we, when we were at around, around 1,000 single-family homes, we had property managers, and we, we ran kind of like a, you know, we, you know, we actually ran departmental and pods, depending on what it was. So, so even, even I had trouble figuring out what kind of structure it was, and... The challenge is if you don't have the right structure, there's a lot of stress on not only on your team, but there's a lot of stress on your clients because they're not getting the customer service that that is is deserved. So I highly recommend that you create your, your org chart, determine what that growth looks like over the next few years, what your growth looks like, and then determine what that org chart looks like to to fulfill that growth. Right? We have to we have to operationally um, be able to handle that that growth. So we're going to be right back, and then we get to talk to Pick a Pick, our CPA extraordinaire. We'll be right back. Scaling your business means juggling many moving parts, leaving you wondering how to manage it all. How can you keep your eye on growth and streamline your operations? At RentBridge, we've created the Property Management Operating System, an ecosystem for property management marketing and process automation, where you can view and take action on the most important aspects of your operations, from sales and new owner onboarding to leasing, collections, renewals, and more. By bringing operations and marketing under one platform, you can have end-to-end -end visibility of your owners, tenants, and vendors from the first moment they interact with you, allowing you to add more doors with less effort and scale a truly profitable property management business. To learn more, visit rentbridgegroup.com today. Did you know that most tenants struggle to come up with a large sum of money needed to move into their new rental home? Let Renters Insurance Solutions help you solve this problem by giving tenants another option for security deposits. 
Property managers can make up to $200 per door annually with our programs. Learn more at our website, yourris.com. That's Y-O-U-R-R-I-S.com. Renters Insurance Solutions, your experts in property management and insurance. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks for being here at the NARPM podcast. I have my good buddy, Chris Picurio. I say it right, Chris? I always say your name. Do I say, is it Picurio or... Picuro, but you know, Pete, I've been called a lot worse. <laughs> I'm sure you have. So Chris Picuro with Teaching Tax Flow. Chris has been a good buddy of mine, actually has done my taxes over the last few years. And so I do appreciate that. And he's done taxes for lots of NARPA members. And Chris has been, you, Chris, you spent over 20 plus years working extensively with real estate investors and entrepreneurs. And so I'm going to get right into it. What are some of the tax implications based on some of the different entity structures? Is one better than the other? Well, first of all, thank you very much for having me on. I, I appreciate it. Hello, NARPUM. Hopefully, uh, many of you I've met before. And if not, thanks for tuning in. And the when we talk about entity structure, what our goal is, is to legally and ethically reduce the tax you pay in your lifetime. And one of the things that we have to consider, and one misconception is that not all income is taxed the same. So you might receive $100,000 worth of income, and depending on what type of entity you have, you could be taxed differently on that income. So if we want to start off from the, the most basic structure would be a sole proprietor. A sole proprietor is going to, let's assume they have $100,000 of income after all deductions. They're going to pay tax on that, a federal tax. If they're unlucky enough to live in a state with a state tax, they're going to pay tax on that. And then they're going to pay what's called self-employment tax, which is goes into the Social Security and Medicare fund. If you create, I think you mentioned an LLC. So if you, an LLC stands for limited liability company. If I had a dollar every time I heard limited liability corporation, I don't know, Pete, I might not be on this podcast. You'd be in the Bahamas be... sipping my ties. I get it. <laughs> so, so if you form an LLC, we like to call it LLC. It's like a Play-Doh entity. But a single member LLC, one of the biggest misconceptions out there is that about, about single member LLCs. So a single member LLC for federal tax purposes is a disregarded entity. That means it's taxed exactly the same as a sole proprietor. You don't receive any additional tax deductions just for forming an LLC. You also don't miss out on tax deductions if you don't form an LLC. So think about that, that sole proprietor and single member LLC as one in the same. So you're going to pay tax advantage of starting a business or owning a rental property is that you pay tax on your net income, not your gross income, like someone that receives a W-2. So single member LLC, same as a sole proprietor. The, the difference is, is that they receive liability protection or asset protection. Again, I'm not an attorney, so I want to put that caveat out there, but that's the advantage of forming that LLC. With a multi-member LLC, that means you have more than one person coming together and, and they are what are called members of the LLC. A multi-member LLC is taxed by default as a partnership for federal tax purposes. So one thing to consider is, is that if you're a multi-member LLC, a single member LLC, or self-employed, that the let, let's take self-employed out of it. If you form an LLC from a federal tax perspective, either a single member or multi-member, the LLC from a federal tax perspective perspective is not taxed. The profit and loss from the LLC flows onto your personal tax return. 
So in the form of a no K one statement, advantage right? To that, I'm sorry. Is that in the form of a K one statement, Chris? Yes. So K one is a form that's attached to a multi member LLC. Do you get one if you're a single member LLC or no? You don't. You don't generate one for single member LLC. Correct, but you do not generate a K one for a single member LLC. Since it's a disregarded entity, if a single member LLC owns a business, it gets reported on Schedule C. If it gets re- if it owns rental property, it gets reported on Schedule E of your personal return. Now, there's a caveat, which is a good bridge to jump over and you, to the S corporation. Okay. So that so what happened is, well, let's 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 step away from the S corp for a moment. We have a good handle on LLCs. And depending on, we're going to talk from a federal tax level because the different states have different franchise and excise taxes. The LLCs make a lot of sense because they're, they're pretty simple, especially, you know, with, with, if you own a business and especially if you're a single member LLC. If you're a multi-member LLC that owns rental property, well, net rental income is com- taxed completely sep- differently than if you are an, like act, an active and property management. Right, right, okay. Because it's passive income. So I'm going to move over to a C corporation. Before you do that, quick question. When you have an LLC, a lot of times the form will ask you, like, how is this going to be? Is this going to be an S corp LLC, a C corp LLC, mm-hmm. or a partnership LLC? Is there any main difference on how I, what I select for, for, for that on the EIN form? So when you, and that's a great question. When you, when you file that EIN, you're going to want to put what you think your anticipated entity type is going to be. Your entity type is really figured out when you file that first tax return. So from a single member LLC, multi-member LLC, either one of those, multi-member LLCs tax as a partnership, then again, the profit and loss just flows to your personal tax return. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you're forming an LLC, single member LLC is going to, it's going to be a disregarded entity. Just a entity. pass-through, yeah, yeah. It's a pass-through. Multi-member is the nice part about a multi-member LLC, not to start, not to go from advanced or to basic, from basic to advanced. With a multi-member LLC, it does allow you some more flexibility when you're shifting income between members. So let's say Pete, you and I form an LLC. You're drinking the Mai Tais. You know, you own 50% and I own 50%, but I'm out doing all the work. I can then, I can take 80% of the profit, but you still own 50% of the LLC. So that, that multi-member LLC gives us flexibility. Now, that flexibility and, and how the, the profit and loss are allocated and the ownership percentages, are, that's all determined in what's called an operating agreement. So, And that's where we'll let the attorneys kind of answer it from there. But So let's talk about C-Corp and S-Corp. Absolutely. So a C-Corporation, if you form a corporation based on the federal tax laws the way they are right now, that corporation is an entity separate from yourself. And it's taxed separately than yourself. So the profit from the corporation doesn't flow on your personal tax return. A C-Corp does not issue a K-1 to its owners. The C-Corp, though, is going to pay a tax of 21% on the federal level on whatever net income is is retained into the C-Corp. And that's why you're going to hear people say, well, you're double taxed on that that income. Because if a C-Corp has a profit of $20,000 and pays you a dividend of $20,000, the C-Corp doesn't receive a deduction for that dividend and you're paying tax on that dividend. So a C-Corporation, they're not very popular anymore. They're, 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 the reason you would 
you know, there's reasons you would be a C corporation. There's some advantages coming, be it uh, you want a fiscal year end or you want to you want to really control the amount of income that that flows on your personal return. So there there are some reasons to be a C corporation, but they're pretty rare now with the birth of S corporations, which is a good segue to the, our last one we're going to talk about. When you think about an S corporation, these are, I, I, S almost stands for sexy because I can't tell you how many times people say, oh, should I be an S corp? Oh gosh, you know, the S corporation is a hybrid entity. So if a C corporation and a multi-member or single member LLC had a baby, it would be an S corporation. Okay. So the S corporation has some attributes of a corp, but it also has attributes of a partnership because the profit flows onto a K-1, Flo goes on a K-1. Okay. The, the, re the S corporation is an election that you make. If So you don't necessarily form an S corporation. You either form an LLC or you form a C corp. In either one of those options, you can then elect to be taxed as an S corporation. So an S corp is an, a tax election that you make to be taxed as this hybrid entity. Now, I think you asked which one is best. And you know, every, every CPA is going to say it depends. Right. But here's the situation with the S corp. The biggest tax advantage of an S corp is that profits, after you pay yourself what's called a reasonable salary, so reasonable compensation, those profits are not subject to that 15.3% self-employment tax. When you're, so let me give you that example of $100,000. You have $100,000 worth of profit. Let's say you're single. You're going to pay tax on that $100,000, your federal tax and self-employment tax. If the S-Corp has $100,000 worth of profit, it has to pay the owner what's called reasonable compensation. So let's say it pays the owner $40,000 of reasonable compensation on a W-2. That $40,000 on a W-2, well, that's going to be subject to payroll taxes, which is the same as a self-employment tax the $60,000 of remaining profit is not subject to self-employment tax of 15%, 15.3%. So in that fact pattern, there's a potential $9,000 tax savings by being an S-Corp. So would I take that money as a distribution then, that, that extra 60? Absolutely. You could take it as a distribution. Okay. Now, when you have me back on the podcast in the future, which we ju I just determined uh, uh, throughout there now, we can depends on how many downloads you get me pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't show any pictures of me then. Uh, but we can start diving into these entities in more detail. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But there are rules. So with an S corporation, you do have to pay yourself what's called a reasonable salary. And we have, you know, in our private practice and a lot of other CPAs, we have tools to allow you to figure out what what reasonable compensation is. And the S-Corp doesn't always make the most sense. It really depends on what your profit is, what you can legally and ethically pay yourself as reasonable compensation, and what your, your total picture is. Because with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 and the birth of what, what's called the Qualified Business Income Deduction, some people call it the Section 199A deduction, that 20% deduction is a lot less for an S-Corp because you're getting it on the net income versus someone that's self-employed. And then you also have compliance costs. Now you have to pay yourself, you're technically an employee of your own corp. So there's a lot of different things to consider. The one thing I do want to point out, since this is our friends at NARPM's podcast, it's extremely disadvantageous, I guess you could say, 
to put real estate in an S corp 99.999% of the time. So what we like to usually see is let's say you have a, a profitable property management practice. We see a lot of them that are S corps. And then you might buy an office building in a separate LLC and lease that to, to the S corp. That's, and the S corp could be an LLC. What happens a lot of times is as a client grows in, in profits, the LLC sometimes grows to a point where the S corp election, election then makes sense. We have to make sure the juice is worth the squeeze. So if I hear you right, in most cases, when you're starting out, you should create some kind of LLC. Hopefully it's a multi-member, which you get, you might get some tax benefits from that. And then as you grow over time, as you're talking to your tax strategist, and we're going to talk about teaching tax law here in a second, as you talk to your tax strategist, there might be a time when it makes it the, the right move to create the election of the LLC to be taxed as an S corp. I got that right. Correct. I would, if I'm getting started, I would form an LLC. If it's your, if you're the only member, you could be that single member LLC, but like you alluded to, if you have a business partner, do the multi-member LLC. Mm -hmm. And typically you're going to want to see how it goes before you make that S corporation election, because the, the S corp, there's a lot more compliance and there's a lot more, there are a lot more accounting considerations with that. So, yep. Okay. In, what, Go ahead. You had another point. The one thing to consider with the S corp is this, you have once the LLC or the corporation is formed, you have 75 days from that point to elect to be taxed as an S corp, and you have 75 days into any year to choose to be elected to, to an S corp. So, any let's say you and I had this multi-member LLC, and we decide we're going to be an S corp in 2023. We actually have until March 15th, assuming it's not a leap year, which I don't know if it is, but we have till March 15th of 2023 to to claim to be taxed as an S corp for 2022 to January 1st. Got it. Okay. Oh, January 1st of that same year. So, so, okay. I got it, but not for 2022 that, 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 that after March 15th, I'm taxed as whatever I, I elected at that time, but I've yes, basically the ship has sailed. Yep. Now there are not to get into some other crazy stuff, but there are some revenue procedures and there's some relief for late filing S corp filing election. But in general, you're, you are what you are for that previous year. So Chris, you and I go back, we've, we've probably known each other for close to 10 years now since I joined NARPM and you joined NARPM and you know, we've, we're business part, business friends and we're friends, friends. Now we, we've kind of, well, we kind of over went over that line and we're like friends, friends now. And you and I speak quite often. Mm -hmm. And a lot of, I mean, a lot of times we're speaking about my tax situation, right? So you were literally, I'm using your services and you're coaching me. A lot of times I call you to like, like just kind of talk to you about the Tennessee Titans. But then I, then of course I always throw in like two or three questions on, on business, which, and you're very great, gracious with your time, but most people don't have that. So you created the teaching tax flow. So tell, tell the, you know, our audience, like what was the inspiration behind the teaching tax flow and what exactly is the teaching tax flow and, and how can property managers uh, and investors, you know, utilize that, that service? Right, right. And I guess depending on how the Titans are doing, it depends on when I have to transition to your taxes. So yeah, uh, late, lately, it's, it's pretty quick. Lately, it's pretty quick. A, it was. <laughs> so here's teaching tax flow is a passion project for me. In what te to take a step back, you're right, we had we I, I Started off over 20 years ago, really focusing on, you know, on growing a CPA practice. But I built the practice based on me running in and not processes. And 12 years into it, I looked around and I saw that we had over 25 team members. 
seven permanent or seasonal offices, over 3,000 clients. And what seems like a dream was really just a nightmare. I have two teenage children and a child that's nine years old right now. Honestly, the, my, the, the, my oldest two children, the first five years of their life is a complete blur. And I feel a lot of guilt and regret about that. So I thought, okay, though, this is, this is silly. I want to only focus. So the last decade now is I'm only going to focus on real estate people, entrepreneurs. And I'm only going to do this on a membership-based subscription business model that focuses on tax planning and strategy. That's it. And we die. So basically went through that process of transitioning over 90% of the clients. And I, I was basically re reborn, right? I, I hit reset. And from that, we were able to build a private CPA practice in, in, to the point where we have ceased taking on new members to our private CPA practice. That being said, what was born from it is something beautiful, a process and a system for tax planning and strategy. And what I realized is that there's a huge need and there's a huge, a huge gap of people that don't have access to tax planning and strategies because they've been lied to. And, and that's and including not, their own their, their own CPA, right? There, a lot of CPAs don't understand tax planning and strategy. They they just understand how to how to do your 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 straight taxes, right? Right, and that's one of our laws of teaching tax flow is your tax returns a verb, not a noun. So I, but what, at the heart of it, I'm I love to educate and I love to help people. So I thought, okay, this process, this proprietary process that we've created, named teaching tax flow. I want to get this out there so that other people can enjoy it. And what teaching tax flow is, it's the process that empowers you to defeat taxes. And it's built to complement and not replace tax preparation. That's that's what it is. And so when we were in the green room, you talked about there's like a four-step process about, mm -hmm. about tax planning, tax about tax planning, regardless of using teaching tax flow or 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 not. So talk talk about that and how and how teaching tax flow helps you walk through that process. Exactly. And that with teaching tax flow, we have, so I started thinking, Pete, okay, over the last decade, why, why have our techniques, which you might or may not be familiar with some of them worked so well. And I thought I have to, instead of making that mistake of me running it, let's create the process to run it. And the process is diagnose, prescribe, IQ test, implement. So what that means is that we use color-coded diagnoses in teaching tax flow based on your marginal tax rate. We teach people that marginal tax rate is more important than your tax bracket. We diagnose using color-coded diagnoses, just like in the real estate market, you have A class, B class, C class, right? Mm -hmm. we, when you're in that world, you know what that means. So we use red, green, purple, gold based on your marginal tax rate, and then we prescribe a tax strategy based on your diagnosis. And then we have something proprietary we call the IQ test, which stands for identify, uh, identify strategy, quantify result. Because we, we want to make sure that the strategy you implement has a, a, you're comfortable with it, you have the liquidity, you're qualified, and it has a positive tax influence. I'll give you an example. How many times do we, CPAs that, you know, people ask their CPA or, or tax professional, hey, should I, do I get a deduction if I donate $1,000 to my church? or synagogue, yes, you get a deduction, and thank goodness that you're benevolent. But the tax benefit's probably 20%. So you, what teaching tax flow teaches is that you give $1,000, you get a 20% tax, 
tax reduction. So you're still minus $800. You should still get, I mean, be benevolent, but um, those are some of the things that we teach. It has to pass our IQ test and then we implement. And there's a, a lot of taxpayers out there that we, we talk about. So one of the other laws is that tax agencies are your involuntary business partner. So Pete, the IRS is your business partner. They're my business partner. If you're listening to this in California, you have another big business partner, the state of state California. California. Yeah. So your business partner and you are in a partnership. You're not an LLC, but you're a partnership. And your business partner right now is picking your tax unless you do the proper planning. If mm -hmm. you do the proper planning, you pick your tax. And that's what we teach. We teach people how to do that. And we have obviously several different paths for them. So Chris, in your, in your experience, what are some of the common tax strategies that people have used to lower their, their tax, their tax basis? Well, so the common ones, the most aren't my favorite, by the way, the okay. most common ones is to put money into a 401k. Boo, but, right? <laughs> yeah. But we teach that now, now that if you're high red diagnosis, then it might make sense. But we teach people the difference between tax-free and tax-deferred. And the most common mistake I see is that people getting started that are in a real low marginal tax rate that put money tax-deferred. And now that you know this, Pete, when you guys, when you first start working at a big company, the HR person says, put money in your retirement plan, which is not a bad move. But now look at the tax marginal tax rate you're in when you retire now, when you want yep. to start enjoying that money versus then. If they would have said put money into the Roth portion of your 401k, you would have all that tax free. So those are just some of the so the the common ones talking. Let's just talk about the, the listener group for NARPM. Many of the, the clients that I work with that are NARPM members and, and people in their network own real estate. So one of the most common would be a cost segregation study on any real estate that they own. That's a very common one. 90% of CPAs and tax professionals don't know what a cost segregation study is, or they wouldn't know how to implement handle it. That. Right, right. Okay. Which is, and luckily within teaching tax flow, if you have a, again, teaching tax flow is meant to complement, not replace your tax preparation. So, but if you do have a tax professional that might not understand what a cost segregation is, we have what we call teaching tax flow black belts. We have other tax professionals in our network that we've trained to know how to handle that. So that's one of them, Pete. The other one, you know, income, income shifting to related business entities. So let's say you do own that rental property and you can pay yourself rent legally and ethically. There are so many cool strategies we can use, especially as we see not only in property management, but in the, in the CPA world where we have multi-generational families or people selling their businesses. Mm -hmm. As you know, capital gains is taxed a lot less than ordinary income. So with capital gains, that's taxed at a lower rate, and you can re you can invest that in opportunity zone funds. And then finally, for NARPM people, the 1031 exchange is another one that's used quite often. Yeah, or, or just buy a big truck, right? <laughs> so bonus depreciation. Is, yep, you must have been taking our teaching tax flow course. But yeah, I just have many conversations with you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, so buying fixed assets with bonus depreciation. Remember the. Tax agencies are involuntary business partner. There are certain, there are what we teach, and you're going to learn in teaching tax flow is that some behaviors are encouraged, some are discouraged. So that's what, once you understand how the tax laws are written, and we've broken these into really bite-sized chunks, you're going to know how to, how, what, what actions to take. So as a property manager or owning a property manager firm, 
we have lots of investor clients and we always like referring our clients out to, oh, do you know an insurance guy, right? And so we have our, we have our network of people. So how can property managers show this service or use this as a tool in their toolbox to give to their, their, their investor clients or, or even non-investor clients? And then are, are, how can they use the service for themselves? Like, talk a little bit about right. that. Right. So we have a partner's program. And the one that I think would called our ambassadors program. And so the ambassadors program is set up for business owners or influencers that believe in our brand. that want to share it with their network of people. And with the ambassador program, typically we're going to set up a, a URL for them. There'll be some revenue sharing for that ambassador. And we're going to highlight the, the, the courses or the mini lessons or the, the content that's specifically for, for their customers. What I run into a lot is, especially with our NARPM friends, is that a lot of times, and, and you can speak to this better than I can, when you have someone that's starting to buy some properties, they're, they're worried about their tax situation. They don't know what to do. They think it's going to get so complicated. And we're- Or, or they out, they've out, typically what happens is they outgrow their CPA, right? Like before I had, ta- before I had my properties, I had a CPA or, or like an accounting person. And when I had a W-2 income and, and mu- not much else, it was super simple to do my, even H&R Block can do it at that point. But as soon as I bought my, uh, my properties, yeah, I realized that I kind of outgrew the person that I had and I had to go find somebody that was real estate specific. Is, is that what you find as well? Absolutely. And, and so there's this huge gap between the people that either do their tax return themselves or they go to a, a lower cost provider but if they want to start doing business with a, a firm that has the knowledge that we would, that teaching tax flow is going to share with you, it's going to be at least $5,000. So this is a great spot for the, as far as the ambassador program for, for NARPA members that want to provide some opportunity for their owners that they're working with to learn. We have special courses on short-term rental properties versus long-term rental properties versus like I said, cost seg, 1031 exchange, rep status, material participation, all these buzzwords that they keep hearing that they they either have to, ref, that they're kind of stuck and they want to make, so it's really there to help support them and, and teach people the benefits. I talked about tax agencies or involuntary business partner. There are a, a handful of industries that are tax advantaged. Real estate is in the top three. So let's, that, that tells us that the, the tax code tells us that investing in real estate has tax advantages. You're, you're taxed on your net income. You get the depreciation deduction. And when we can share that with the NARPA members to be able to share with their owners, that adds value for, for them. All right, Chris, we're going to be right back. We got a quick commercial. And then we're going to come back with the lightning round. We'll be right back, everybody. Create the best move-in experience for your resident or homeowner. Citizen Home Solutions is a utility concierge service designed to assist with services needing activation prior to moving into a new home. Our experienced team will help eliminate the stress of setting up services. No more calling a long list of service providers to get everything connected and ready for move-in day. Your client will value the white glove service provided on your behalf. True, Citizen Home Solutions assist with utilities, but more importantly, we create an experience that your client will appreciate and love. Our service is free and offers you a revenue share program. Want to know more? Visit pmcpartner.com. 
Have you ever considered hiring a property management virtual assistant, but didn't know where to start? Or have you tried hiring a virtual assistant, but you weren't satisfied with the number of qualified applicants? If so, VPM Solutions is here to help. VPM is the world's first virtual talent marketplace dedicated specifically to property management and real estate. We have thousands of talented virtual assistants ready to work for you, including assistance for accounting, leasing, maintenance coordination, rent collections, and much more. With VPM, you can post jobs, screen candidates, hire and pay your virtual assistants, all from within our state-of-the-art platform. VPM is the easy button for hiring and managing your virtual team. And the best part? VPM Solutions is 100% free to employers. That's right, free. No placement fees, no employer markups, and no hidden charges. With VPM, property managers get the talent they need while reducing costs and improving customer service. Visit vpmsolutions.com and create your free account today. Pest Share, a pest control amenity for your resident benefits program, starting at just $5 per door. You can give your residents the pest control coverage they need. PestShare will even pay for the expensive infestations like bedbugs and cockroaches. End the debate over who pays for pest control, while PestShare turns an expense into added revenue. For more information, check out their website at pestshare.com forward slash property managers. All right, welcome back everybody for the, All right. the lightning round. All right, Chris, we're going to ask you a series of quick of questions. Answer them quickly. If you do want to expand, go for it. But you can just let's rapid fire these bad boys. You ready? Let's go. What is one thing that most people do not know about you? Rapid fire, Chris. That I'm an accountant, believe it or not. <laughs> believe it or not, really? All right. Well, most most people that meet me think, are you, are you sure you're an accountant? I'm. A, you seem like you're a firefighter or a police officer. I don't know if that's a compliment or what, but... Not sure I either. What Marvel or DC character do you most associate with? Superman. All right. What is your ideal vacation? Spending time with our, my family at our vacation home in Florida. What is one piece of advice you'd give someone just starting out in business? Your network is your net worth. I know it's a cliche, but build out what we call your board of directors and, and focus on relationships and don't focus on sales. Does pineapple belong on pizza? Absolutely not. That's disgusting. <laughs> what book are you currently reading or what is one that you could recommend that has impacted your business or life? Yeah. Expert Secrets. Just finished it. I highly recommend it. Other than the NARPM podcast, what's another podcast that you recommend? Could be fun or business. Any, any podcast. There's only one. Teaching Tax Flow. There you go. All right. Check us out on everywhere you get your podcasts. Or... Locked on Spartans if you're a Michigan State fan like me. Maybe that's the thing that people don't know about me. So, All right. What is one challenge you're currently facing in your business? Mm. Training our staff and attracting young people in our profession. Uh, what is the average age of, a, of an accountant these days? Oh, gosh. I mean, the average, there's some demographics. The average age of a CPA is about 50 years old. All right. I think, really I think scary. property managers are about 50 years old too. So, yeah. yeah, interesting. It's real scary. And, and one of my, what I'm, well, 
it's scary and I'm doing my best to get involved with the emerging professional networks in my home state of Tennessee and, and back in where I'm originally from in Michigan. So we need more young people that want to be CPAs. All right. What do you prefer, dogs or cats? Dogs. All right. Chris, if someone is interested in becoming an ambassador or creating content or, you know, want to get a affiliate link or to get to their network to help, you know, also like do a lunch and learn with you on, on this stuff for their network of individuals, what's the best way to do it? Simply go to teachingtaxflow.com backslash partners. All right. And then any, any email or phone number that they should know? Or is that the best way, the, the, the website? Oh, I mean, hello at teachingtaxflow.com is probably the best way. We're on, and then the, the cool thing is on our, or find us any, you know, the, the, we have the podcast, we're all over social media as well. But hello at teachingtaxflow.com. We, as you know, we have, we take a lot of pride in returning all communications within one business day. And if you are listening to this and you are not a NARPA member, but you do want to join because you get to meet cool people like me and Chris, go to narpm.org, N-A-R-P-M.org, or you can call them at 800-782-3452. And if you are looking for a virtual team member, remote team member, international team member, however you want to call it, or a virtual assistant, please go to my website, VPM Solutions. VPM virtual property management solutions.com or shoot me an email at Pete at VPM solutions.com. Thanks Chris for being here. Thank you everybody for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much. And it was an honor to be here. This has been a production of the national association of residential property managers, the recognized leader in property management, along with your host, Pete Newbig, CEO of VPM Solutions, where property management meets global talent. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are that of the host and are not necessarily those of NARPM. If you have a hot topic you'd like discussed on the podcast, please email us at radio at narpum.org.